Many light years away in the far reaches of the third quadrant of the galaxy beta maximum lies a tiny but perfect excuse for using sound effects like these. But perhaps more importantly, it also gives us the opportunity to use the funny voice distortion mic. Hello, my name is Saul. I will not be saying anything funny at all. But because I am talking through this curious voice distortion mic, it will sound funny. <laughs> anyway, I am here for two reasons. One, to get a cheap laugh. And two, to introduce the strange, fantastical tale that is lost in space. space. Ladies and gentlemen, Bodgers, Banks and Sparks. Space. Right. Time to set the scene again here in the spaceship. Where will we go now? Oh look, here's an old travel brochure. Come to Galaxy Beta Maximum. Friendly local large four-headed baddies, charming zigbog girls, helpful wacky robots, cheap space tan lotion guaranteed. So don't delay, blast off today for the heart of Beta Maximum. Okay, let's set the controls. I suppose we'd better take a look around. If you go then. No, no, I mean all of us. <laughs> it was your idea though. <laughs> now look, let's all go, but don't forget to take the special pills. Which pills are those? You know, the ones that make you speak the universal language. How's the universal language? American. Okay. Okay then, here goes. <clears throat> wow, feels great. Hey, don't forget your gravity boots, Jim. Well, thanks, Jim. Saved my life. Who's locking up then, Jim? You are, Jim. Okay, Jim. <laughs> Let's go, Jims. Wow, we a completely different planet. <laughs> hey, guys, do you see what I see? Earth people, for I presume that is what you are. Greetings. We welcome you to our planet, Planet Fed. My name is Tara Dia. Why, that's beautiful. It is Fedis for women. Like I said, beautiful. <laughs> what is this beautiful you speak of? On our planet, we have no concept of what is beautiful or what is ugly. <laughs> for us, only the soul exists, and every true inhabitant of Fed has a perfect soul. Also, we drown all ugly babies at birth. <laughs> But surely that's inhuman. What are these? What are these humans that you speak of? Well, they're like... You can't reason with her, Jim. We've landed ourselves on an amoral planet. Let's take a look around. I don't think you should do that, Jim. Who said that? Why, that was Greek alphabet, my robotic domestic companion. He guards my interests and carries out unpleasant chores about the house. 
But why won't he let us look around? He fears that you might harm me. I don't think you should do that, Jim. <laughs> also, that is all he is programmed to say. <laughs> okay, okay, let's get moving. Jim, you explore the east side of the planet. Jim, you to the west. Jim, you look around the river. And Jim, take the mountains, and I'll stay here and um, uh, make sure that nothing nasty happens. Why, Jim, you old... And that's an order. <laughs> so get out of here, you Jims. <laughs> so, Tara dear, alone at last. Quite some place you've got here. Do you live here alone? Non-affirmative. I live here with my sisters on the north of the planet where the weather is most clement. Hence the scanty getup. What is this scanty that you speak of? Hey, come on. Don't tell me the guys around here don't. What are these guys you speak of? Come on, guys. Big animals with rough chins, square shoulders, <laughs> muscles like iron, and deep commanding yet strangely melodic voices. <laughs> Why, no. I have never seen one of those. You're looking at one, honey. <laughs> Why, yes. In the temple, there is a statue in your likeness and shape. Here, we worship men with breasts. <laughs> My God, I want to kiss you. What is this kissing you speak of? I don't think you should do that, Jim. <laughs> Why, I think I like this kissing. What is this sexual intercourse you speak of? <laughs> Why, I think I like it. What is this slogan? Hi, Jim! <laughs> We're back! Good morning, everything! Why, Jim, you sassy old-timer! Oh, uh, yeah, um, so, I, well, I was just, um, having an interesting political... Over there! What's that animal? Hello? <laughs> me, Chadwell. It's all right, they're supposed to be here. I pop in every week to do a little poem. Well, I thought I'd do one about the zoo this week, so... I went into the zoo, and I walked up to the man, and I said, Where's all the animals, then? And he said... I don't know, this is Halfords. <laughs> so I bought a puncture repair outfit in case, I, in case I ever get a bike. Anyway, in the end, I did get to the zoo, but of course I'd spent all my money on the puncture repair outfit. So I said, can I get in for nothing if I say I'm a vegetarian? And he said, oh yes, really? No, I'm just behaving as stupidly as you are. Oh, anyway, I got in a bit later by pretending to be somebody else. And then I asked, what's the most interesting animal to look at then? And he said, oh, I'll try that one over there. It's extinct. <laughs> well, I couldn't see anything, but I did see Gary Price. Gary Price, he was in trouble for putting a hummingbird in his mouth. No, it wasn't very nice for the hummingbird because Gary had just eaten a chocolate biscuit. He certainly wasn't humming when Gary spat him out. <laughs> spat him out at lunchtime. He looked quite depressed, really. Particularly as he'd just been spat into my cup of cheese water that my mom made for me. Anyway, then I went on to the monkey house because they are descended from us, aren't they? So, yeah, not much of a house, really. You know, they didn't have curtains or anything, anything nice like that. But the monkeys were in, and I stood there looking at the monkeys, and then, and then one of the monkeys started looking at me. And he said something to the other monkeys. And they had a look as well. Then they all came over to where I was standing. And the chief monkey put his paw out. And he put something in my hand. And I looked down. And there was ten pence. <laughs>
My mum says I'll have to write a thank you letter. <laughs> I thought I'd write a poem instead about animals. Three blind mice, three blind mice. How did that happen then? <laughs> Industrial accident, was it? <laughs> Somebody left a bit of cheese unprotected on a lathe. <laughs> well, that's a stupid thing to do. A bit of loose cheese could easily go in somebody's eye. <laughs> Especially if they are a rodent. Thank you very much. Bye-bye then. Yeah, yeah, tell me more about your planet, Oh, Jim, we are not a happy race. We are ruled by Zarg and Potex, once good men. But many of your Earth years ago, they were exposed to nuclear radiation. And Zarg now is half man, half transistor radio. <laughs> and Potex is half man, half toaster. <laughs> Potex still has moments of kindness and is very handy at breakfast time. But Zarg is pure evil. If you see them... My God! Over there! What's that animal? Oh, do not worry, Jim. That is a slub. A harmless creature that sits around doing nothing all day and survives on the kind gifts of our people. <laughs> we have similar on Earth, Teradia. Only we call them the royal family. <laughs> Why do your people laugh, Jim? They were amused by my scathing political satire, Teradia. What is this? Political satire of which you speak, Captain? It's just something we have back on Earth. We use it to incite the people and to overthrow evil governments. Perhaps you could use your political satire to overthrow our evil leaders and aid us in our bid for economic recovery. What is this economic recovery you speak of? <laughs> well, it is a theory whereby stimulating economy by... Ah, uh, yeah, okay, okay, Tara, dear. <laughs> it was only some more political satire. Well, will you help us? Yes, of course. But, Jim, we've all been invited to a party over on Gorm Pugel, too. <laughs> no, Jim, I wish to remain here with Taradia and fight the evil Zarg. No, no, Jim, you must go with your people for the whoop-up. Yeah, all right. <laughs> but, Jim, you will promise me one thing, won't you? What's that, Taradia? Captain, you are so wonderful. Love you more than my spaceship zoo. I even like you better than my pet Greek alpha better. But while you're away on planet Gormfugel too, watch for the Gloomback girls to be attracted to you. Jump up, squirch, with anybody else but me. Anybody else but me. Anybody else but me. No, no, no. Don't sit under the jump up, squirch, with anybody else but me. And I'll be true to you. Your eyes remind me of Scott Bob's bloom. Smile reminds me of egg drops. So please remember, in your drum, my twangs are not for plumbing. Don't sit under the jump up, squirch. With anybody else but me And I'll be true to you For as long as your wang continues to flirt As long as your slops are blue Never worry your handsome heart Cause I'll stay true to you Don't sit under the jump up squirt With anybody else but me And I'll stay true to you 
are my little meteor, and I'm just a shy blue moon. I will orbit around you, let's hope we collide soon. Silence, Earth person. My name is Zarg, half man, half transistor radio, and thorough baddie. <laughs> You are extremely foolish coming here. Oh! Radio 1, hi, and it's Mike Reed here. Damn! <laughs> Damn this body! You have no concept what it's like having a body that is... And next up, it's the new one from... Oh, God! Wow. No! 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 Anything would have been preferable. Half man, half pitchfork. But why? Why our radio? Oh, no! Stop it! You're listening to Radio 4, and now a new series, Strange Phenomena. In our lives, we're all puzzled by many things. Flying cows, strange ghost-like apparitions, and flared trousers, to name but three. But this week, the case of the cup that cleaned itself. There's nothing unusual about Mrs. Doris Ipswich, and it was in February of this year that she first noticed something extraordinary about what, on the face of it, was a perfectly ordinary cup. Yes, I'd just finished a cup of coffee and left it dirty on the sideboard. I went out to the shops and on my return it was completely clean. Amazing. <laughs> yes, and I am of the firm opinion that the cup was cleaned by Mekon, the benign guiding spirit of the ancient cult of Zamborg. Mekon, the benign guiding spirit of the ancient cult of Zamborg. Yes. Either that or my husband did it. The cup is not the only unusual thing about Mrs. Ipswich's house. That's right. From time to time, there's a strange, eerie ringing. That wouldn't be the telephone, would it? <laughs> oh, God, sorry about that. I have no control over it sometimes. That's okay. I was quite enjoying it. Anyway, you are now my prisoners. Take him to the detention centre. This is Radio 4. Oh, now, God! Not again! Science Today. The Space Race. For years now, the space race has been between the USA and the USSR. But more recently, Europe has entered, and now Yorkshire. <laughs> Some people say it's a waste of time sending a Yorkshireman into space. Other people say all Yorkshiremen should be sent into space. <laughs> No, just kidding, that was merely a cheap joke. Reggie Higginbottom, you're the astronaut that's been chosen for this historic journey. That's right. <laughs> Tell me, how did you get the job? Well, there was an advert in the paper which said, does anyone want to go to the moon? And I said, yes, please, if it's at the weekend. Do you foresee any problems with the moon itself? Yes, well, the moon is a funny thing because sometimes it's a big round thing and sometimes it curls itself up into a little tiny sliver with a sharp bit at the end, which could be quite nasty. But we want to go when it's a half moon because then there's a bit in the middle where you can land. Turn that off, Donald. Oh, George, my fictional friend, you know, it's a lot of rubbish on the wireless these days. Oh, it's a drug, Donald, like everything else. Yes, George, drugs, eh? Who needs them? Well, uh, addicts, Donald. 
Yes, yes, of course, addicts, yes. yes. And doctors, Donald, it makes their job a lot easier. Yes. Oh, yes, it's a, it's a terrible thing to have hanging round your neck. Oh, what's that, a, a stethoscope, yes? Yes, the very thing, Donald. <laughs> Flapping about, getting in the way all the time, you know, constantly sticking in your ears, getting all waxy. No, no, you can keep them. <laughs> yes, it's a funny thing, evolution. Yes, it is. It's amazing, actually. I mean, George, not two billion years ago, we were all monkeys. Well, there's still some about, Don. Yes, very good, George, very good. And you know, we're still evolving, you know. Oh, I have that, yes. Your lobes, George, they're on the way out. Well, let's face it, not really that much use, are they? George, what do you reckon will be next? I don't know, little toe's a possibility. Indeed, indeed, yeah. Personally, if I got a choice, I would nominate the nipple. The male nipple, that is, Donald. I, I mean, what is the point of them? What do you use your nipples for? Do you ever use your nipples? Well, I use them, George. Well, what on earth for, man? Well, for looking the same as everyone else. <laughs> or is this all sort of camouflage? Absolutely. You try going to the swimming pool without any. You'll soon see how useful a couple of nipples can be. <laughs> Personally, I could live without the kneecaps myself. Well, I think the Catholic community would have something to say about that, Donald. <laughs> ah, you're right, George, you're right. You know, I tell you what, keep the kneecap, get rid of the shins. Go straight from the kneecaps to the feet. That's right. The Catholics could kneel down without moving. I mean, think of the time they could save themselves. Have you heard of positive evolution? No, George. What's well, coming? You see, gradually people are developing useful bits, as well as discarding superfluous ones. For instance, people who go to parties a lot are gradually developing an extra hand, so they can have a drink, a smoke, and still eat or be introduced to someone. That's a marvellous idea. Oh, yes, you get this little extra hand that comes out of your waist. Pop your drink in that, and away you go. You know, it could be handy for footballers as well. A couple of extra hands over their nether regions for lining up at free kicks. Oh, shut your face, Donald, and see what's on the television. Tonight, on TV, we have a really exciting lineup for you. As follows, soap, comedy, quiz game, documentary, news, sport, politics and religion. First, soap. Do you think George is going to get his happening? I'm not sure. Depends whether Ethel's pregnant. My God, look at the time. Ernie should have been here two hours ago. He was driving up the motorway in his very fast new car. I hope he hasn't crashed killing himself, leaving Barbara a widow and boosting our ratings immensely. Comedy. What a big telescope! Ah! I want to look at Uranus! Ah! Big breasts! Ah! That surprised the vicar! Ah! Quiz game! Good evening! First of all, four quick jokes. Ha ha! The idea of the game is totally mindless. Now, three contestants. Hello! They've all got names and they've all got jobs. The game, who wants 50 pounds the most? <laughs> Me! The winner, do you want to double it? Yes! Oh, hard lines, right wave! Bye-bye! Bye-bye! The news! Good evening. A serious face. Major overseas disaster, three Britons involved. At home, minor British incident. Pound, up or down, sport. Today at Twickenham, somebody won something. And finally, a skateboarding duck. Terribly funny, weather. Hello, there will be some weather. Wildlife documentary. Here, here, the four-eyed, bat-eyed bat. Never seen that before. Look at the stunning photography. Politics. Well, what an amazing result. And now I've got some figures coming in. 1%, that's very low. 50%, that's about average. And 99%, which is very high. Incredible, really. Finally, religion. Wouldn't it be nice if people were nice? Come to mention it. Wouldn't it be nice if people were listening? We now broadcast a repeat of our award-winning documentary, Donuts, the story of the SAS. Derek joined the SAS three weeks ago. Yes, well, I couldn't get a job down the village. I couldn't, uh, everything had closed. 
It just seemed like a great opportunity. <laughs> the, first, the first three weeks of Derek's training can be broken down as follows. For three days and three nights, he was systematically tickled by the commanding officer. For a week, he was deprived of food, water, and at times, even of air. Considerably weakened, he was sent on manoeuvres to Scunthorpe. Not in itself rigorous, but his bottom was sent to Darlington. <laughs> he has spent the past one and a half weeks submerged in a vat of pig's offal and sheep's intestines. No, sir. No regret, sir. No, it's great. No, I wouldn't do anything else, sir. No, this is the life for me, sir. We join the recruits on inspection. Jones! Why is there a white thread on the shoulder of your uniform, man? Because you put it there, sir. Very good. Regimental Sergeant Major, have this man taken outside and chainsawed. Thank you very much, sir. After slaughtering a carload of French tourists for parking on a double yellow line, <laughs> Victor Corleone was considered simply too dangerous to continue working as a traffic warden. He was immediately recruited for the SAS. Ah, good morning, men. Good morning, sir. And welcome to your last day of training. As you probably know, you're here for one reason. Your courage. Your discipline. Your bravery. Your intelligence. And your initiative. Don't matter a jot. <laughs> you're here because you're stupid. And because Broadmoor was full. Now, there's been a slight change of plan for this week's 97-mile training run. Firstly, it's a 197-mile training run. And secondly, as you may remember, you were initially all going to be superglued together. Well, instead, you will now report to the regiment's doctor to have your legs amputated. And those of you who complete the exercise in less than 55 minutes will get your legs back. However, anyone found on the run not wearing socks will be shot. Dismissed. It is testament to the severity of the SAS training that of the 13 new recruits, 17 have already committed suicide. <laughs> Even the regiment's pet dog threw itself under a bus rather than be patted again by the commanding officer. <laughs> We'd like to interrupt the programme at this point because we've had a number of letters asking us to explain this week's plot. Well, so far, our heroes, the six gyms, have landed on the mysterious planet Thed. The female Jim has left the adventure in order to play the part of Tara Deer. Captain Jim is still, thankfully, Captain Jim, and will remain so throughout. Of the four remaining Jims, two have disappeared completely because there were too many Jims, and the other two Jims are about to desert Captain Jim and embark on a subsidiary adventure back in time, or, as we like to call it in the trade, padding. Satisfied, listeners? Back to the plot. You see... Sometimes it even picks up the television. It's bad enough watching The Price is Right. Can you imagine being The Price is Right? <laughs> I assure you it won't happen again. Psst, Jim. Hello? Behind the booth, Jim. It's us. Yes, okay. We're going back to the ship. Great. Are you going to get the weapons and come and rescue me? No, we're buggering off on our own adventure. <laughs> come on, Earth person. Please, call me Earth. Right, here we are, back in the ship. Pretty quick, eh? Well, it is special radio time, remember? Okay, backwards or forwards in time? Uh, backwards, I think. Your wish is my command. Stop! Look! Over there! What is it? Drew 
it. <laughs> so what's the plan again? Right, two large upright stones and one across the top. <laughs> and then 20 of them in a circle. Okay, yeah. And we call it Stonehenge. <laughs> but why? Why not? <laughs> Oh, Gamron, you are one crazy druid, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you heard what Mephatiti's up to? No. Well, he's only schlepped off to Egypt to build some huge stone triangles, hasn't he? Oh, magnificent, magnificent. Oh, by the way, by the way, congratulations on the white horse. They won't have a bloody clue. No, no, it was nothing. My God, Stonehenge is a practical joke. Now, there's a good idea for a sketch. Just time to get back to Beta Maximum, rescue Jim, and tie this whole mess up, buddy. Ah, welcome back, Earthlings. Misterlings to you. <laughs> I do find your brazen humor most amusing. But choose your next witticism carefully, Mr. Ling, as it may be plagiarized. <laughs> you are just in time, Messrs. Lings, for Jim has kindly agreed to entertain us before I kill you all. Jim, we are ready. I believe it is called Political Cabaret. Jim is going to overthrow Zark with his political satire. Okay, Tara, dear. They'll have remembered. Thank you, thank you. Good evening. Thanks very much for that introduction, Zark. Hey, listen, what about this Zarg, eh? <laughs> well, I say Zarg, but do I mean slub? <laughs> hey, do I? Do I? Yeah, of course I do. Well, I say slub, but then I'm not a fluxton, right? <laughs> okay, okay, tell me this. Why is Zarg closing all the dumpers? My mother had a Dixie Blanc once, until she found out it didn't make way much. Enough! Enough, Earth person! So, Zark, you have seen the evil of your ways, and Jim's political satire has taught you what your people really think of you. And you will now surrender power and allow our people to live in peace, and for us to get out of these sweaty gold togas. Nope. I think I'll kill you all anyway. Gee, I love a surprise ending! Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Bodgers, Banks and Sparks with the Bodgers, who are Murray Hunter, Johnny No Name, Gordon Kennedy, Pete Bakey and Moana Banks and John Sparks. Written by Murray Hunter and John Doherty, Moana Banks and John Sparks. Music by Pete Bakey, produced by Alan Nixon. <laughs>